and ride with me in my foul life. Pretty cool having your stepdad in the pit today. Really cool. Yeah, I like to get him out whenever I can. And uh, he really, I think he might enjoy it. Well, I'm not going to say more than me, but as much as me, if maybe more than me, he really likes getting out there. So thanks for letting me bring him. Oh, was, it's your deal. I love having awesome. him around. Yeah. He's, uh, he loves the business part of it, too. He loves the customer service part of it. Be, being in the country club golf business his whole life, he... he He's transitioned that right into taking care of your goose hunting company, yeah. con, uh, customer base. Absolutely. I mean, the, you know, the marketing, the, um, taking care of all the customers on the phone, booking the trips, telling people what they need to bring, what not to bring, what, you know, getting their lodging. I mean, the, everything he does is, it's crazy. He, I think he's as busy as I am, <laughs> to tell you the truth. So that's. That's saying something. Well, I hope when I'm 75, I'm still going hard like that every day. No doubt. You know what he does all summer? Gives me golf lessons. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah. Like once a week, you know, comes down, comes up to Casper, gives me a golf lesson, works on my game. So that's what we do in the summer. We work on my golf game. And in the winter, it's all about hunting and the golf club's got to go away. But uh, but he's good for all those things. Is he, uh, do, you, do you think that, have having him involved is something that well i guess in lack of better terms could you do it without him i know that you know how to call geese i know that you know how to do the whole show but it seems to me like the customer bases rely on michael a lot for uh, everything that you just forementioned you know that you as far as getting the details and all the logistics and every detail put it'd be a lot of work if you had to do that you'd have to hire somebody for sure buddy i would might have to hire two people for all that i do not have time to be, I mean, I answer phones during the day, you know, when I can, but I do not have time to do all the things he does with booking people, emailing, always on the phone, always, you know, doing that part of the business. He also handles a lot of the books and uh, uh, my mother handles like you book a trip and you're going to get a confirmation letter says from wild Brassica waterfowl. Well, that's from my mom, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And uh, so the two of them, uh, combined really yeah no i i would have to hire somebody and it would probably cost me too much and they probably <laughs> would do half as good of a job if that and yeah. it would not be worth it so thank god for my mom and dad because they're all part of the team i tell people i'm like yeah it's a family hunting business a lot like duck dynasty there's just no <laughs> dynasty <laughs> we just have some ducks <laughs> you know but it could it, it's close to being a dynasty from what know. i saw this week <laughs> well do you think that what we just witnessed the last three days is that you think it's par for the course you think there's more birds here than normal is there less birds here than normal um, what are you thinking there's a lot of birds here right now for this time of year on a lot of years it's normal i mean it all is all waterfowl hunting it all depends on the weather and what kind of freeze we have up north my birds come down through alberta and montana once Montana gets a lot of snow and freezes, then I'm going to get the birds. Quite honestly, I've had years here where Montana did not get snow and did not freeze up, and it was a mild year. And yeah, we still killed some birds, but not anything like what you're witnessing now. Um, in all of my years here, I mean, I've, I've seen it like this a lot, but I wouldn't say every year. You know, if things got to line up, you have been the last two years you've been here has timed perfectly with big storm, cold front up north and big Arctic blast coming down and everything froze up up there and the birds came down. But again, that doesn't it doesn't always happen that way. But even on our bad years, you know, we can still we still have birds, you know, we can still kill them. Uh, the covid year 2020 was a mild winter and whew, we worked so hard. We killed them, but boy, did we work hard that year. I mean, we had to, you know, portable blinds and massive decoy spreads. And, and then Bob, then we got Bob is like, I'm going to go completely opposite. And I'm just putting six decoys out today. Can I do, can I try that boss? And I'm like, Bob, if you think it'll work, go ahead. And Bob comes back like, yeah, we shot eight geese with six decoys. I'm like, well, great. You know? Um, so just trying lots of different things and stuff on those tough years, we can still get them, but it's nice to have these good years. 
Yeah. And I think that, I mean, I haven't seen it bad here, so I don't know what your bad would be comparative to elsewhere in the country. It just seems to me like you're always in them here. Mm -hmm. Like every day you have a chance. Yeah. I mean, I've been to places, you know, that are rich in heritage of waterfowl, Stuttgart, Arkansas, where, you know, you don't have a chance. I've been around where you're like, Oh, wow. This, this isn't right. Something's not right here. There's, they either didn't hold enough, you know, they didn't have any timber in their, in their arsenal, their rice fields weren't producing, but you just knew like, it just seems in this part of the country where you have it locked down pretty good is that you always have a chance to kill geese. And when the ducks are here, you, and they're on a weird pattern right now, but we've killed them every afternoon. We have. You've been here two, two seasons now, last year Mm -hmm. and this year, and you have yet to see all the spots that I have. You know, you've hunted here and here and here, and but you haven't seen it all yet. Part of that, having so many spots, I only run four groups a day, but I got 30 spots and, and they're spread from Scott's Bluff to Fort Laramie. And so being able to have access to all those different spots and like sometimes this, this part where we're at now isn't hunting any good, but boy, all my stuff down in Nebraska is great. And sometimes my Nebraska stuff sucks and my stuff in Wyoming is great, you know, and they go, go back and forth. So I think with all the property that we have and running the small amount of groups on that property, we're still able, even when it gets tough to kill birds by managing it right and moving around and not hunting the same field five days in a row and those types of things, we can, we can still get at them, but it does help when you got this many birds. Do you ever have, um, when you talk about that word management, like it's a five bird limit here, but we killed four birds a day per man. Yeah. Do you tell your clients before they come in, I don't care what the regulations say, mm-hmm. you're going to be made aware that your, your limit will be met at four birds and you're done. And obviously they don't hiccup at that because four birds is fine. But do you, you got to communicate that with them? I absolutely communicate that with them in a different way. Uh, most of my customers have been coming forever. Some of them 20 years. And this is the first year we've had a five bird limit, which I argued and argued and petitioned and met with the game and fish in public meetings. And we did everything we could to just dissuade them from making the five bird limit, but they did it anyway. I approach my customers right now as look, here's the thing. You've been coming for 20 years, 10 years, five years, whatever it's been, you coming back because our hunting is good. What have we had for the last 20 years? We've had half day hunting, except for a couple days a week. And we've had a four bird limit. And Chad, you tell me, but we have some of the best goose hunting in the country right here. And I don't mean from a numbers of bird standpoint. I'm, and even though we do have numbers, but I'm talking from a decoying standpoint. I'm talking about getting birds to finish in the pocket is what we have here that is becoming more and more unique, I feel like, you know. and I directly contribute that to the amount of refuge in the community and the county, the half day hunting where the whole county is a refuge in an afternoon and the four bird limit where people are just shooting four birds each instead of five and getting out of the field. When you have a five bird limit, I got four guys in the blind. We need to get 20 instead of 16. If the guys aren't very good shots, we might shoot at three or four more bunches just mm-hmm. to get four Educa- more birds. Educate them. And I just educated four more flocks. Well, in a week's time, what does that add up to? In a month's time, what does that up to? And in a season's time, how many extra flocks have you educated? Buddy, it's an astronomical amount. Even that one bird, I strongly believe, makes a huge difference. So I tell my customers, you've been coming forever. We've had great hunting here. I believe this is the reason why. Do you want to come back next year and the year after and the year after and still have great hunting on my property? If so, then I would appreciate it if we could continue to abide by the four bird limit. And every one of my customers says, buddy, that is fine with us. We get four birds and decoying like we do. We are absolutely 100% happy. That's what they've been doing for years. So that's just where we're keeping it. I really feel with that five bird limit, if we were to do it on my properties and incidentally, I want to mention that the other outfitters in town that I am friends with are also sticking with the four bird limit and doing the same thing with their customers. And we've all gotten together and agreed, you know, five is, is too much we feel. And, uh, so anyway, that is what I'm doing and all my customers have enjoyed it. And look, do you want to go out every day and shoot a limit of geese with a four bird limit? 
or do you want a five bird limit and go out every day and shoot 10 geese? <laughs> you know, 100%. that's hundred percent. We had a three bird limit for one year and I loved it. Honest to God, we shot a limit every day of the season. The birds had no pressure on them. They just got off the river and came in every day. And everybody would shoot, you know, 12 and go home. And uh, then they went to the five bird limit for two years or a year. And there was a remarkable difference. And we all complained and we went to the game and fish. And they said, sorry, we'll go back to a four. And that was for 20 years. And now they went to five again. But we're, we're sticking with four. And uh, I think it will pay dividends in the long run, which is what I'm about is future hunting. How, how many different, as far as the other outfitters are, you're friends with all of them or most of them, or how many are I'm there? pretty friendly with all of them. We've got a couple right here in uh, Torrington that are good guides and do a good job and, uh, and that I'm on good terms with. And, and then in, you get down into Nebraska and uh, down in that Scotts Bluff area, and there's quite a few more. And I know a couple of them. I don't know all of them uh, down in there. Um, but, uh, you know, there's, there's a few of us around, so. So is it heavy competition for, is there a lot of competition around here? Would you phrase it or coin it as heavy competition or I just don't see it. I don't hear it. I don't, I'm not, obviously I'm not here a lot of the season. I'm bouncing mm -hmm. everywhere, mm -hmm. but I just don't hear a lot of competition or see a lot of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I see it and I hear it. I, I'm not saying competition amongst other guides or whatever, but there's a, there's hunting pressure out there for sure. Right now, it's Christmas break and all the kids are out of school. And, uh, you know, there's a public walk-in area that's behind the pit we hunted last night across the road over there. And Bob was hunting in that pit today. And he sent me a text and said, these guys over here in the public area have fired 150 shots already this morning. Really? Now, Brett, that kid who helps us set up, he was on the same, they were there first, set up on the same field. And these other guys came in set up not very far away from them. Bob sent me that text. I sent a text to Brett that said, Brett, wings cupped, feet down. That's how we shoot them. No pass shooting, sky blasting. He's a little protege of mine. He texted me right back and said, not me, buddy. These guys set up next to us are literally shooting at everything that flies by. And Bob's over here going, these guys have been shooting for hours, nonstop. So there is some of that that goes on. You can't do anything about it. It's, it's part of it. But that is around here. You know, we don't, we, we do have some public property around here, but most of it's all private and it's all leased up, you know, that's just the way it is. If it isn't, then the farmer's kids probably hunt or his grandkids hunt or whatever, you know, it is, uh, and, and that's a good thing. It's not leased up by me. It's not leased up by the other outfitters, although a good chunk of it is, but a lot of it's leased up by community people who just live here and just want to go goose hunting on the weekend. And, uh, so there's a lot of that going on, but those guys don't hunt, you know, I hunt, you know, we hunt whatever hundred days in a row, you know, with four groups a day, these guys who have the other fields are hunting yeah, on the weekends, on Christmas break, on Thanksgiving, on, you know, they're not out there every day, you know, that being said, you can't get on that field, right? you know, so that helps keep the pressure around down here. Just the fact that everything is private. You don't have like 40 boats leaving the boat ramp in the morning running for a spot. But the private, we take our time, you know, and head out there. So, Do you have um, kind of an idea of how do I, I want to make sure that I phrase this the right way. When you start dealing with the youth and the, the new hunters, you know, you mentioned Brett. And Brett's obviously got friends that hunt. And a lot of them are your protégés. A lot of them are, you know, is participated in your youth hunt coming up as kids um how important is you is that to your psyche and your well-being and your success as far as mentoring and guiding these guys guiding these guys to get and fall in love with this lifestyle uh making sure that they understand the right way to do it because it's almost like it's you're damned if you do you're damned if you don't if you tell somebody the way they should hunt then people are like well who are you to tell me how i can hunt i can pass you well I always revert it back to the bird and the resource. There shows that bird no respect. 
no compassion if you're just trying to clip it at 60 yards flying over your pit there Thank you. there's no hunting skills in that yeah i don't care how good of a shotgunner you are that's not hunting that's just shooting mm-hmm. and it's ignorance a lot because today we witnessed geese and their majesty sunshine wind 24 degrees fahrenheit is the low i thought the calling sounded great the greenhead gear decoys look great they're waddle, wobbling the the hide your pits are unbelievable and we kill them dead. No cripples. No, cripples. no, no suffering. The yeah. axle brings them back or beans bringing them back. I mean, how important is you, is it to you that you have these kids that are coming up and that you're showing them the way and do you ever get any pushback from anybody of like, you're not going to tell me how to hunt. It's important. Um, <laughs> I have my concerns um, as probably all waterfowlers before us did that um decoying waterfowl is an art form that is going away a little bit um you know no offense to the ammo companies but i will pick on them a little bit and i know they're trying to sell shotgun shells and Everybody's looking for a shotgun shell that kills better, you know, but a lot of shotgun ads are going on these days with, oh, effective up to 70 yards and things like that. And sometimes I feel like, well, the guy out there in the field, not a very good caller and whatever is going, well, the shotgun, they say this goes 70 yards. Let's try it, you know, and shooting at those. Um, I don't know what to do about it to teach people the art of management and decoying birds and how you can have properties that you can, you can hunt them all season long by not shooting into big groups, by only shooting at birds that are feet down, wings cupped within 30 yards, you know, and they, you don't shoot at anything over 40 yards and you don't educate anything. You know, you gotta, people gotta learn to just pass. You can just pass. Yeah. We did it. We shot 12 this morning yep could have killed a hundred could have killed a hundred we didn't even kill our limit we had five guys in the block we could have killed 25 right yeah we killed 12 and said geez that was beautiful we saw the show what more do you need yeah front front row but to get that through people that how special that is and to uh i want the younger generation to realize that, you know, and to work hard because there's much more reward out of things you work hard for. Mm-hmm. And okay. You're not a good goose caller. Learn. You can get on YouTube. You can get, you can do anything. You can learn, learn how to do it. You're not good at setting decoys. You feel like your hides aren't good. Learn this day and age. You can read a book. You can get on YouTube. You can learn, learn how to get those birds in close and execute them. And not punish them. Yeah. And this recent thing too, I just had this conversation at lunch. Here, one of my kids told me the other day, we had 11 guys in the blind and we shot a five-man limit. That's 55 birds out of one field. Now, when you have 11 guys in the blind, Chad, you and I have been doing this together for a few days now. When I call a shot, how many birds do you think are right there in the kill hole, executable for us to that are killable that I say kill them? How many are right there that we can kill? Eight at the Eight most. At the most. At the most. Five, four, maybe. Yeah. A lot of times I'm looking at four. Yeah. Right. There might be birds up here, up here, but I'm looking at the four that are 15 yards dead nuts in front of the blind. Guys, yeah. I got four guys in the blind. There's one there for everybody. Okay. Now you have 11 guys in the blind. Can't do that. Those four are already dead. Yep. The other 11 guys who haven't shot yet are going to point up at the ones that are 70 and 80 yards and start shooting at those. When you start shooting at those, that's where I have a problem. Yep. Now you're sailing birds, you're wounding birds, you're educating birds. You're not doing the birds any favor by sending them off with a sore ass, you nope. know, and we should respect these birds. This is our passion. Yeah. We should. We should have a understand that compassion for the animals, everything, and that it's easy just to say, oh, I can point a gun and pull the trigger and shoot a bird or at a bird. That's too easy. Easy. But until you hone your skill set to really 
to really do it right, which I love what your clients get to witness on a daily basis because they get to see it done right because all of your guides live by that ideology of getting the birds tight, tricking them, and having compassion enough for them because we are hunters. I'm unapologetic for killing the animal, Mm -hmm. but I'm not going to disrespect that animal and I'm not going to try to hurt it or what, you know, damage it or, you know, hinder its ability to move on in life. Because Mm -hmm. I mean, think about going to bed with a sore ass at night and then that blood coming out of you and that smell and the coyotes and the hawks and the eagles and the everything else. He's, he's going through hell. He or she's going through hell. Absolutely. And I just don't, I I understand that sometime it's going to happen in crossfire or whatever, but if you intentionally keep doing it and you don't learn the right way to do it, Mm -hmm. then it's just, it just doesn't make sense to me. I don't know how people can ever be like, Oh no, no, no. You're not going to tell me how to hunt. Well, if you honed your skill set to learn how to call and set up a decoy spread and scout and hide and, and understand the science of it, the art of it, like you say, JJ, then there's nothing. That's what it's supposed to be. That's what's going to bring you back. Shooting a goose at 70 yards doesn't bring you back. Yeah, I can stand under a tree in the feedlot and shoot a goose flying over at 70 yards. Yeah. You know, that, it's the same thing. But like I said, and, 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 and again, when you do things that you learn something that's hard. It's more rewarding mm-hmm. at the end. You can accomplish something. 100%. Instead of just shooting a goose, you decoyed them. You got them into 10 yards. You landed a bunch, you know? Today, we just sat. If we got done shooting, we were like, stop shooting. That's enough. We don't need any more goose meat right now. What we need to do is watch this show. Yeah. This is beautiful. And that is what they just I want that it. younger generation to understand is how magical this is. I hope that you can get the point across because like we talked about before, the different stages that you go through in your hunting career um, of, you know, the limits, the piles make smiles, got to have the, the hero shot and the pictures. We took some beautiful pictures this week with 12 geese. Yeah. You know, not even limits, just putting them and, and respecting them. And showing them in their glory. I'm unapologetic about that too. I'm going to take pictures. I'm going to have memories. Um, but if you can get this point across at a younger age yeah. and get them past that, that part of their maturing process mm-hmm. that they understand at 18 years old, 17, 15 years old, that, hey, JJ said feet down. Yep. JJ said 15 yards. JJ said concentrate on the little things, the hide. The off season, the networking with landowners, the respect, clean cut, clean shaven, clean this, clean that. You're you you respect the landowners, the farmers, their wives, their kids. You're going to the local basketball games. You're supporting the local community. If they could learn that part, and I'm not trying to take the fun out of it, because I want yeah. you you got to have fun when you're a kid hunting. Absolutely, I, I have want them in my there. in my 40s now. I have just as much fun as I ever have, yeah. but I have a better understanding of it. Of like, it's, you're not chasing that limit anymore and i get that people want to limit want to limit want to limit i love to eat waterfowl so if i can kill some ducks and geese and have them for my recipes i love that but i don't have to have 60 dead birds in a picture now the the spring snow goose season it's a little bit different different deal snow geese are different um but there is something to be said that you can have a great hunt and not you know put the message out there that it's by any means necessary. I'm yeah. going to kill that limb. Oh, Hey, he didn't decoy, but we just need one bird. So I'm gonna scrape him at 40 yards. Why? Yeah. Cause your picture's not complete with one bird right. makes no sense. So it brings me to this deal about, you know, when you start looking at what's going on in places like Arkansas, Oklahoma, Texas, um, I've seen up to 50, 60 people in a group. Good Lord. I mean, that with guns shooting at flocks of specs, 18 to 15, 18 to 25 guys shooting at lesser Canada geese. Um, I had this conversation with Nick McNamara who owns Basswood Lodge in New York about the size, the group size that, that some of these outfitters are allowing outfitters are teaming up and they're finding the X and they're like, well, let's make as much money as we can tomorrow. We got 5,000 specs in here. Let's bring in 60 hunters. I mean, this is no secret. There's pictures and videos and, and they're promoting it. And I'm like, what are we really promoting? Uh, an outfitter or in his, in his, his crony guides that can hammer on a spec call. Okay. I know some of the best spec callers in the world. That's a talent. I get it. Mm -hmm. But then what else are we doing? All we're doing is putting thousands of BBs in the air at one time and, 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 and killing for what a picture. Yeah. For a picture, do you that, even know who hit him? No, they don't know who hit him. They <laughs> you can't. Know, I, so they're I, like, what is the joy in that? I don't know. It's like we're doing what? 
I, I'm, I'm always, I've, I've probably been an asshole too many times in my life when I get somewhere. Yeah. And like, if I would have came to your place and you said, Hey, Chad, we got 14 guys. I'll be dude, I'll go, but we're not all shooting at the same time. We, yeah. We're not doing this. It doesn't make any sense. We're raining out and I've done it. I've been in part of that to where, and you look back at it and you're like, it's just too much. Yeah. Well, we're mad at them. They haven't been here. We just got them. So what? Keep them, enjoy them, manage them. Keep them, enjoy them, manage them. I like, you know, you've seen my operation, four guys in a pit. That's, I like that's that. it. You know? I like that a lot. Yep. That's, that's it. Let's get our birds and get the hell out of the field fast as we can. I mean, we, we did a little filming today afterwards. That's okay. You know, we didn't shoot it anymore. No. You know, but we did call a few in and take some pictures normally with my groups. You know, we get our limit and okay, let's get out of here and let these birds come in here and rest and, and we'll go duck hunting tonight and these geese can be in here the rest of the day. Bob and Shat, well, Bob this morning was done at 8.05. He didn't have to shoot at another bird the rest of the day, you know? And again, birds right in tight, right in close. Boom, boom, boom. We execute. We get them. Everybody's dead. And well, now we got our limit and the birds are safe. We leave yeah. them alone, you know? The rest of the day. And, and by the way, four bird limit he got, you know, yeah. with his customers. That's what we do. And uh, so... It, Anyway, yeah, it's one of those things, but I'm going to do my best with the kids. I've got my youth hunt every year, and, uh, you know, I try to talk to as many of them as I can. I got some of them, you know, like Brett, come around, help me set decoys and, you know, whatever, and kind of hang around a little, and I try to instill on them, hey, how's your goose calling going, you know? You've been training your dog? You've been, you know, um, whatever, and I feel like I've had some some success with that, and so... I'm going to continue to do it and hope it makes a difference. Oh, it is for sure. How, yeah. how are the kids coming along with the calling? Have you heard some? Oh, did shit. It, uh, can Brent rip a goose call? Dude, dude, this goose, this kids hunt that I do every year, we have 50 kids. Okay. I take two kids to a pit and I put a guide with each one. We'll have 25 pits in the, these aren't just my pits. These are people from the community. Okay. And, uh, I'll put them all with two kids to a pit, go out, we hunt in the morning, they get a, a backpack full of shotgun shells, snacks, drinks, whatever, out to the pit with the guide, shoot until noon, and then come back and we have a big uh, banquet, uh, give away shotguns, decoys, all kinds of stuff. Every kid walks out of there with a box of decoys or something. It's great. But then where I was going with that is, I put on this goose calling competition and uh, two age groups, uh, eight to 13 and then 13 to 17 as the two age groups. Buddy, some of these kids are like 15 and I'm thinking like, dude, get your driver's license. I need you to guide. You know, yeah. I'm like I give them all brand new Tim Grounds goose calls first, second, and third. And like last year or two years ago, this one kid comes walking up on stage to do his routine. He's got four or five grounds goose calls hanging around his neck and i realized this kid's now 16 and he's been winning these competitions since <laughs> yeah. he was eight you know <laughs> he's got he's got all kinds of goose calls but these kids i got this little girl her name's uh uh madison booyer and you ought to hear her call she won the girls uh, uh, older division last year and she's awesome i saw her dad in the grocery store the other day he's like went hunting this weekend Madison called them all in for me. <laughs> you know, How awesome I was like, is that? Awesome. Um, so some of them can really call. You start at a young age, you get on it, boy, you can, by the time you get to be our age, you're going to be, you know, Zam Fear, master of the plant, pan flute there. You yeah, know? just you're ripping it. Just ripping it. So it's cool. I, I like encouraging them all to call because, boy, calling's important. Is you it know. is it really though, JJ? Yeah, it really is, Chad. Is it? I'm, I'm going to tell you that it is. I think Collins important. Is it the? Mo I know you got to have geese in the area. Yeah. I get that. You don't have to be on the X, but you have to be in a, an area that has waterfowl around it. Yep. Hopefully, managed waterfowl that that aren't just so smart that you don't have a chance at them. Yep. Um, but we're talking. We're going into New Year's Eve right now. Tomorrow's New Year's Eve, and we're decoying we we walked out over 45 birds this morning out of the decoys yeah. not walked them out we just waved the flag and got them out of there didn't educate them yeah um could have killed every one of them if we were you know hunting hunting right um but it doesn't really like 
I know, I know that you have great decoy spreads. I know you have great properties, mm-hmm. but man, there's so many times today when those birds were not coming to us that were, they were just looking at the decoy spread going, I'm going there. We had a feed of probably two to 3000 Canada geese going on behind us. Yeah, we did. Less than a mile away. Yeah. And we still have, we're landing birds in our decoy spreads. Yeah. But I think a lot of it, I think what people have to understand is does calling really work? Are you just making a wall of sound? I would love to just sit down with people and show them evidence of what good goose calling and good duck yes. calling does. And, yeah, goose and duck. Duck calling too, man. And we saw it with a couple of those bunches last night that are going by us. And you and I are just screaming at them, screaming at them, screaming yeah, ripping at, them, at them. Ripping at them. And all of a sudden they get out there and go, okay, guys, stop yelling at me. I'm going to turn around and come back. Just yeah. shut up for a minute. And yeah. boom, they bank back and doom right in and, and, and we get them. That's not happening without that duck call. No. Not happening. That's just the, that's just the way it is. And some of these, and, and the geese today too, especially when you're pulling them off of live birds around you and everything, boy, you better sound like a live bird. Your decoys look good. Gee, you know, the greenhead gear decoys we're using are awesome. They look, we saw live geese walking right next to them they look identical however you know when we sat there and just shut up and put our calls down birds just started flying by flying by flying by pick up the call boom now you turn them and and bring them so the calling is in fact to be honest with you give me like six decoys in my call over 500 decoys and no call yeah you know honest to god and plus and plus the whole theory of, and I, and I, and again, to each their own, but you know, like the guy you just referenced, you know, Madison called them all in for us. I'm sure her dad was Girl. a proficient. Yeah. I'm sure yeah. her dad was a proficient caller at one time and he loves seeing his daughter do it, but there's a lot of waterfowl hunters that I just don't have to call. I go with people that can call. I don't have to call. I've never learned how to call. That's fine to each their own, yeah. but man, there's, I don't know if there's a more rewarding part of, I know the dogs are important. I love watching a good duck dog and a sporting mm-hmm. dog. Um, the camaraderie and the friendships, I get all that. But as far as the executing the hunt, I don't know if there's a more rewarding part than having a negotiation and a conversation with a wild goose or wild duck. I just don't know if there is. In, I as don't far think as, so. I, in any know, hunting. No, no, I agree. I agree with you. Uh, that when you're really talking to them and get, when you see, you, when you make a sound and see that bird react, it's cool. Oh my you know? God. Yeah. Cause you could be moaning. Yeah. And we did it today. And then all of a sudden you just, you, you elevate yourself up and do that stair step or clock. And they're just, Oh God. And you see the wings bow and just, and you know, I made that sound and he heard it and he wants me. And And sometimes you tell yourself like that might be what they want to hear today. Cause then I would do it again. And I hear you do it again. And we, it's working today. Yep. And dude, every day they work the call. And that's what, that's what's so rewarding and fulfilling in waterfowl hunting to me Mm. is the, the audio part of it, the communication part of it. Um, I talk about Arkansas all the time. How ducks don't really even see the decoys down in the trees when they're flying up there. It's an audio state. Mm-hmm. That's why so many great duck callers come from the come state from of Arkansas. Because you got to to kill them. You got to sound like ducks. You got to be able to yell at them and get quiet and finish them. But here, the goose calling is so legit. I love calling it lessers, but the art of lesser calling is not like calling big Canada geese. Lessers are fun. Don't get me wrong; they're powerful, and you yell at them until their toenails hit the dirt. But it's just a wall of sound. It's not a conversation. It's almost like the snow goose. This is a real negotiation and conversation. Yeah. You're reading their body language. Geese, you know, big Canada geese, you know, they were joining up today and getting in a little bit bigger groups. But man, you can just read their necks and their wings and their wing tips and their the flight feathers and the speed of their wings yeah. and how they jolt, you know, how they check up a second right. and then they drop their foot a little and then you get them again. And then they, and then all of a sudden they just lose air like a parachute and then they yeah. just start getting more horizontal as opposed to vertical. And you're looking out the back of your pit blinds, which I love those pit covers. And you just see them like, you can look at the blind and go, get ready. This is it. Cause you know, you know, with your instincts, you're like, it's getting ready to go down because we just ended the negotiation. Yeah. We won. They've agreed to come in here. Yeah, They're going to sign the papers. Yeah. They're going to sign the papers. (laughs) And everybody has their own theory about goose calling. Yours might be, come on in. The water's fine. Mm-hmm. I'm gang fighting with them. I talk mm-hmm. smack to geese. Mm-hmm. I always have. I picture myself in a gang fight of, hey, get out of here. This is our food. They're like, no, we were here yesterday. You're right. an idiot if you think we're not coming in there. Well, I'm going to talk smack back to you. Okay, fine. You win. You're a better smack talker. We're leaving. And then instead of being cool about it, I'm that kid in the eighth grade locker room going, yeah, that's right. Your mama, what's up, man? What's up? Mm-hmm. You better leave, you pansy. And then they hear that. And then they're like, oh, really? 
Oh, you're going to be a tough guy now. We're turning around and we're going to come down there. So I'm always painting different pictures of like a like a fight going on, you know? Right. And, and right. some people are like, no, I'm, I'm talking like, hey, it's nice down here. It's, it's right. stuff like that. So there's, it's fun to come up with those analogies and paint your own picture. Yeah. You know, create your own masterpiece of what your hunt is. So everybody's envisioning it different, right? Yeah. And, but the communication with those calls, you know, you blow Tim Grounds. Rest in peace, Tim. I mean, he meant everything. He's the godfather of short re-goose hunting. Mm -hmm. And goose calling, he taught us a ton of clucking and moaning. Hey, bub, get down, cover up, and all. It, Tim Grounds is the one and only, but that is the best part about waterfowl hunting, in my opinion. I don't think anything, the duck, the dogs, the the decoys, the, the, the four-wheeler rides, the boat rides are all awesome. Mm -hmm. But it's that lanyard and knowing what that rope is is capable of. It is. It is. I like the lanyard. You know, I like the lanyard a lot myself. You know, calling mallards is so much fun too. Like, and we really, we really get them on like my river spots or those creeks and whatever. And you know, they're making that bank, and you let them go just a little bit and hit them with, hack, 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 and you see that whole bunch just poof yeah. bank back when you do that. Man, that's cool. You're like, ooh, gotcha. Yeah, <laughs> you know? like it is like, cool. You like that, didn't you? you it's know? so cool, right? And it's, and it's so cool. The calling is. What got me into being an outfitter uh, was first, I loved to call waterfowl. That's what truly got me out there calling birds. And then I got into the dog thing. I got my first dog when I was 14 and trained him myself and got into the dog. And then I said, okay, I, gotta, I need more birds to call at. And I got to have more birds for my dogs to retrieve because I'm one guy out here shooting three ducks and we're out of here in no time. So I started inviting my buddies, you know, 18 years old. I'm like, hey, you guys want to come on, start taking, you know, three guys with me, you know, so we can shoot 20 ducks and I can get more retrieves for my dogs. And then my pretty soon I realized I like that. This is cool. Guys are shooting birds. You know, my dog's doing all the work. I'm doing all the calling. I don't even have to shoot anymore. You know, <laughs> this is great. And uh, and then from there it evolved into, well, gosh, I think, you know, maybe I want to do this on a bike. I'm. I can't, I'm good at this. So maybe I'll get some more guys, you know, and yeah. then, well, maybe I had to be in any way. It just kind of all went from there, but the calling and the dogs and the decoys you've been with me for me. I mean, I, I don't even shooting is not, I don't, I'm not a shooter anymore. And trust me, I've shot so many snow geese in my life and so many Canada's and so many ducks. And at some point in time, I just, went you know i'm kind of done with that part of it but man i want to i love to see people enjoy it you know i want to i want to call them in for you you know you appreciate that then let me call them in for you you know and watch this and love doing it for people and and but the calling and the dog work and you know the camaraderie too you can't sit in a deer blind and you know tell stories about you know guys mouth calling you know, and, uh, no. you know, uh, Kenny G and yeah. you don't sit in a deer blind and do that. You don't sit in an elk blind and do that everywhere else. Is, shh, shh, don't talk, don't talk, yep. man. In the duck blind, we can sit in there and shoot the shit and yep. pour coffee and cook breakfast and, you know, talk about whatever. And, oh, now here comes some geese. Let's put that conversation on hold boys. We got to call some geese. I love that about waterfowl hunting, uh, the, the camaraderie, you know, hundred percent. I think that that, that's a perfect explanation of it. And I think that if it's the right group of guys, um, you're a golfer, you, you spend a ton of time on the golf course, you, you know, in the winter, in the summertime, you say that that's all you really love to do besides you guide fishing too, but mm -hmm. you love golf. You golf some part of golf every day, whether it's practicing, yeah. putting, wedge work, short game, long yeah. game. Yeah. Um, but I don't think there's any better place in the world than to get to know somebody, know if you're going to be friends or not, know what kind of person you're dealing with than the duck blind. I truly don't think so. I, I understand the golf cart and the 18 rounds, but I'm so competitive that I get so upset. because I hate golf because I'm not good at it. <laughs> right. I would love golf if I had enough time to practice. You got to practice right. a ton. Oh, buddy. So yeah. Just like your goose calling. Otherwise, it's just a <laughs> shitty way to ruin a walk, you know? Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a, you know, I just don't like the sport because I'm not good at it. Mm -hmm. But I would say, and I want to know if you agree, like, the duck blind is where you get to know somebody oh, in a heartbeat. Oh, gosh, absolutely. Yeah, you really get to know them in the duck blind, the goose pit, and whatever, and get to know a person and uh, and see what they're about and, and can tell you a lot about a person, the way they behave out there as well. You yeah. know, you can learn some things, you know. And, and uh, man, I have so many great uh, customers. Like, uh, 
you know, Carl Dickinson was just here. He's been coming for 13 years and just like, you know, great guy. I love, you know, you've watched his kids grow up. Yeah. I love going and getting in the blind and talking to this. Well, I got tomorrow. I got, um, William and Nicholas Gutierrez. They've been hunting with me. Let's see. You know, 10 years, you know, Nicholas has got to be 20 now. And I think he was like 10 or 11, you know, when I first took him and they come like three times a year for a couple, couple of days. And William, William was just here. William, how is William now? He's like 12. And he was just here not too long ago when we were hunting. And I said, William, what do you, you know, what do you do up to these days? He said, I'm building a truck. He's a farm kid, lives up by Casper. I said, you're what? Oh, I'm building a truck. I forget what it was. I bought a 1976 Chevy. Didn't have an engine or anything in it, but dad and I are putting in an engine and we just about got it up and running. So I've been building this truck lately. 12 years old. I'm like, you're building a truck? You know, he's like, yeah, you know, pretty cool. Um, but you know, I just love seeing those kids and, you know, seeing what they've been up to and, and the time spent like their father will tell you best money he ever spent. What do you mean? Coming here with his kids, getting his kids, getting his kids to understand that what can happen with this type of lifestyle, just spending time with your kids, you know, just getting out in the blind and experiencing nature and wildlife and seeing those birds work and talking about whatever you know that kind of you get emotional because you care about this so much and that your life has been you've lived a a multi-billionaire's life on a reasonable salary because you love doing what you do right okay yeah i guess yeah it's the way you look at it like your life is unbelievable the people you meet you run with Tons of people. I know for a fact you've been invited to the Bahamas. You've been invited to Argentina by customers. You've been invited to the Masters in Georgia to go watch golf by I customers. Went to the Masters. Yeah, yeah, you, awesome. Yeah. So you get you get to do a lot of things because of your personality and who you are and how you treat people. And that's why it's so special to you to see these kids grow up in it and have the responsibility of taking them out and showcasing it being done the right way. If you didn't do it the right way and you were an idiot, then he wouldn't be back 13 years in a row. Right. He wouldn't be bringing his kids back and recommending it and putting out, telling people like, you need to book a hunt with JJ. Nice. Like it's done right. So I think that being emotional about it is okay. I think that looking back on a career of 1998, you open wild Nebraska. Here we are in 2022. You're going on three decades. I mean, that's freaking pretty legit. And it's better than ever. Your revenue is better than ever. Your customer base is loyal than ever. The, the management's better than ever. The birds are here. Uh, the, we get better every year. Every year you get better. Your yeah. guides are here long-term. Bob's been here how long? 17 years, 17 Bob. guiding for you. Yeah. 17 years, almost since the beginning. Yeah. So think about that. That's a pretty cool way to look back and be like, you know what? Life kicks ass if you work hard, not yeah. afraid to take a risk, follow yeah. your dreams, but also develop the skill sets and, and hone in on them to be able to do it because it's not easy. It's not easy to keep all these farmers happy. It's no. not easy to keep all these clients in line. No. It's not easy to follow the rules, tagging birds every day, bringing them to Natalie every day, making sure that it's so easy to cut corners and be like, oh, I'll just throw the birds in the back of the truck. We'll go. No, you don't. Even though you could today, we did not see a game board. I haven't seen one up here. No. Oh, he's here. Oh, I know. Yeah. But we never cut a corner once. No. We did everything by the book every single day. Yeah. So yeah. if you think about it, that's why you're successful. That's why you get emotional about it because you've built it the right way. That's my opinion. I think that it's been Thank done. You. I think that there, there's no, there's no a shame in being emotional on a, on a career that has kicked so much ass. If you know what I mean? Thank you, Chad. Thank you. You know what I mean? I do get emotional because it, God, I just made some great friendships and, uh, you know, just great experiences. And I, I see, you know, the enjoyment that it brings people, you know, these, these families, you know, my, uh, Spencer Holmes group, uh, you know, Tate and Benson Holmes and Hannah and Paige, the two girls and Kelly, the wife and Spencer, the dad, they came out and had Thanksgiving, hunted Thanksgiving this year. And we all had Thanksgiving dinner together. How cool is that? I mean, cool, you know, very cool. And, uh, you know, I asked Spence, I'm like, oh, you came here for Thanksgiving. He said, Jay, where else would I want to be with my family? That's cool. You know, on Thanksgiving, he said, damn. He said, this is the best time I get to spend with my kids. Yeah. I got them all in the blind. 
We're all talking, having a great time, shooting geese. He's like, we go home, you know, Tate's off, got to run out with his buddies and do this. And Benson's got his friends over here and the girls got dancing lessons and everything. And I don't, I don't hang out with them. Come here. We hang out. You know? And at the beginning of the week, we hunted with your dad today, 75 years old. At the beginning of the week, we hunted with your 16 year old. Is he 16? He's uh, just about, he's 15. He's right 15 now. He, he hung, almost he, and he's a very young, a very well-mannered young man. Very Thanks. appreciative. And yeah. he had a blast. He had and I'm jealous blast. of his hair big time. <laughs> Dude, I, yeah, yeah, I don't even know what to say about that. I couldn't even dream of growing <laughs> hair like that, you know? I'm past the, like, you need to get a haircut stage. I'm like, whenever you feel ready. Incidentally, like, all his friends, you see, you see Brett take off his hat this morning. Oh yeah, poof! Oh, you know, it's like you just want to. I feel slap like him. it's kind of like reversed back to the '60s or whatever. Oh, the hippies had long yeah. hair, you know. And a lot of these kids are doing that. They're these doing days. it. They're doing it. But it's all good. He's a, my son's doing doing well, and he really enjoyed that. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I love having those. I love having those kind of hunts where it means a lot to everybody that's in the blind, and you know. And, Michael being in there today, you know, you, your dad had a stroke. He explained to me how the stroke happened today, which I'm not going to go into. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but getting him into the pit, getting yeah. him out of the pit. Yeah. He can't use his left arm. So you got to make sure that everybody stays down on his shots. He's got his gun out. We got the lid open. We're making mm-hmm. sure that we're getting a goose to try. And he smoked a can of goose. Yeah. You know, with his 20 gauge. So if you think about how, what that meant to him. He hadn't shot one goose all season. No, that was his first one this, this year. year. Yeah. And it's we're all we're going into New Year's Eve tomorrow. Yeah. And he sits there and works his butt off, and it meant the world to him. He said to go out and kill one today. Yeah. And I thought that that was freaking cool as heck. Yep. Yep. That is. Yeah. You know, he loves it. He loves it. I tried to get him out there, you know, but it's tr- it's tricky. We got four guys and every, you know, pits are full, you know, all the time and stuff. But but boy, he really does love it out there. And he and I, we had a good time. You know, we could spend some time together. It's nice. Oh, yeah. It's the yeah. best. Yeah. Goose goose hunting and duck hunting is, I mean, honestly, for, sounds crazy, but for family time and time with friends, it's ridiculously good. Yeah. You know, I mean, it really, really is. It's, I don't know if there's anything better. Yeah. I love the time of year. I miss it when it's gone. I anticipate it when it's getting close. I like the summers. Like you like your golf. I like the boats and the beaches and some yeah. of that stuff and i like some turkey hunting in the spring but nothing gets me going i could go i could be at the best baseball stadium in the world and see you know judge hit a home run this year i was in yankee stadium and i could nice. be i could be at uh somewhere with my daughter and i love my daughter to death and i could be i was on broadway with her watching a play in new york city great you know she loved hamilton and i got to go see it with her up front and personal and i get to experience a lot of cool things like you do but doing what we did this week being in mother nature, knowing what's getting ready to happen, anticipating it, hoping that it happens. You're always hopeful as a hunter. If you're not, then you don't know what hunting is. Yeah. You're always optimistically hopeful. Like, yep, we're going to get him. Yep. yep. Okay. Three minutes. I said, three minutes. We're going to have a group. That's right. It was like almost three minutes on the dot. Was, was, Here comes those green call. That was a pretty good <gasps> call. So, uh, so if you, if you look at it that way of like everything that you get to experience in life. And I know that you've hit some hole in ones and you've hit some great chip shots and you're like, Oh man. But I'm telling you, I would guess that that looking up in that sky and seeing those geese do that thing today where they hiccup and they do it and you're controlling them like that with the call, there's just nothing like it that gets me going. There it, truly isn't. It is pretty awesome. It really is. Um, yeah, it it gets me it gets me going too. The only thing I'm gonna say about the thrill of golf is that I only made one hole in one. And it was on the third date with my wife. And I'm pretty sure that's what sealed the deal right there. Is when she, <laughs> she saw thought, me hit that one in the hole, it was like, okay, this is my guy. Par three, so, par three, 215 yards over a pond, wind at my back, eight iron, six iron, six iron. Yep, lofted it up into the air, landed 12 feet in front of the pin, and it rolled in like a putt. It was an absolute perfect, perfect golf shot. Obviously, the best shot I probably ever hit in my life. So that that was that was fun, and. uh and my date that day is now my wife, so it was great. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So golf did pay off for you, even though golf you, did pay off. Even though you don't have your PGA card, it paid off in a That's big right. way. That's right. We're not done yet. We're still trying to get better. Are we you going to try to make the PGA? No, but I, I want to be. Uh, I'm a one handicap right now, and I've been on a quest for the last couple of years to try and get down to a zero handicap. And if I can get below that, that'd even be great. But I'm pretty determined to get down there. So I. When the summertime gets here, I will be practicing, 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 you know? 
just like people should do with their goose calling on the off season, by the way, yeah. <laughs> you know, which, you know, it's, you practice those sounds, but I want to make sure people understand that you got to hunt. You have to go out and read birds. True. That's the biggest part of it is reading birds and body language and, yep. and posturing and, and knowing what to say when and how loud and how soft yeah. and how much and, and how fast and how slow and yeah. how much emotion and when do you moan? When do you cluck? When do you double cluck? Yeah. There's a lot of cool sounds we were making today that the geese were coming, you know, they were, they were into it. They were eating it up. It was quieter out there today. You know, yeah. you know what I mean? It wasn't the last couple of days we've had wind and, and you know, you had to call a little bit loud, but today it was kind of quiet and you could tell and the geese were acting that way. You know, they came out kind of, you know, not talking a lot and you could see they were just kind of floating around and, you know, we just gave them some, you know, moans and clucks and a little double cluck here and there. And no, like you did not want to approach them today with here's the geese. Let's just start screaming at them. That yeah. was the wrong approach. Big the wrong time. the approach today was nice, quiet day. Everybody's quiet. We're going to be a little quieter. Let's see how they respond. Well, we didn't get anything out of that. Let's try. Okay. Now we got a little bit of a lean. Burr, 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 burr and just easing them in sweet talking them a little more today versus the windy days the other day where you got to blow loud and, hard, and hard, hard and you know that's a different day every every day is different with them today was a let's just sweet talk them type of day and worked great by big the time way. great yeah big time big well, time i i just think i love that i i hate leaving because it seems like you could do like you asked me to guide tomorrow and I wish I could. Yeah. Are you I wish sure I you could. can't? I wish I could. If it wasn't my daughter's twelfth birthday, yeah, I would, no, please I would go change do my that. plan. That's important. Oh, yeah, I won't miss but, it. Yeah. But it's just so much fun here. There's yeah. it's just so the energy, the you're laid back, there's no drama. There's it's just you're you you get to spend the days having success in the field in the morning. You get to hang out in the afternoon, you know, take a little nap if you want, or us, we're going and blowing or we're doing a podcast every day and we're down at the Bitches Bar. That's the cool name of a bar, by the way, in, in, in Lingle, Wyoming. Um, what was the owner's name? Jess. Jess, thank you so yeah. much for all the hospitality. She rolled out the red carpet for us. Um, but then you're in the afternoon, you're duck hunting, you know, if, you, if the ducks are working in the afternoon, which they're, they're on an afternoon flight pattern and feed pattern right now. But man, it's just, you could do this every day. You really can. And you do. You get yeah. to do it every day. Yeah. You think, you, you think that, are you still into it? I know that the behind the scenes stuff, Hey, you know, you got, you get, you need some help in the, in, in the off season or the preseason of the pits and the decoy management and boat maintenance and all the stuff that goes into it. But daily, could you just come in here and guide and, and still love doing it every day? Yeah. If I was just the guide, you know, I like, I really like being the guide, you know, and, uh, before, before I expanded and got up, my first goal in my career was to guide a hundred days in a row. That was like when I, you know, I started out, I'm like, someday I'm going to book myself every day of the season. You know, I didn't think I, you know, at the time when you set goals, you're like, I hope I get there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, I got there and was guiding 100 days in a row, you know, every day. Got a group for three days. They leave, got the next one, the next one. And I did not have, and I was the only guy. If I got sick, I just can't do that anymore now after covid but if i got sick i just went to work i didn't care you know i'm like wait hit me on the shoulder if you see some geese i'll be down here coughing you know but i just every every day and I, I never really did get tired of it i loved it but then as i started to expand and get more guides and more properties and more blinds and more decoys more trailers more boats you know all those kind of things you know and then the workload for me increased and i wasn't the guide anymore now i i like I had a great time the last few days. It's nice uh, getting in the blind and being the guide again. I, I can do it. <laughs> you yeah. know, I'm like that's it's how, not that's, easy though. You know, that's it's not how easy. We, that's how we all got here is by me doing it. You know, but it it isn't. It's not easy. Listen, I'm not looking for sympathy or anything, but this is just the truth. I go to bed at eleven o'clock every night, and I get up at three thirty or four every day from October twentieth until February fifteenth. Every day, every day, except for in the morning, except for three days over Christmas. You know, go to bed at eleven. This brings the, up a good point, JJ. You know? We'll end the podcast going back to the youth. Okay. I don't know if the work ethic is there anymore in a lot of in a lot of the kids coming up. I don't know if it's not been put in. And I'm saying everybody. But I see a lot of people that don't want to work, the government, you know, assistance. 
there's a, an excuse for everything. Um, I wonder if kids are going to have a work ethic that love it so much that they are going to grind and understand what it takes to do it. Are they going to want to hunt ducks on their day off? Are they going to be so tired of it? Are, are the new guides coming up now? Are they going to be as diehard as you were saying, I want to book myself a hundred days. I don't know if you've seen any proof of this, but I'd like to, you know, look into it in the next couple of years of these kids that are 18 to 20 coming up. I hope they have an understanding of what it's going to take to be a successful guide or a successful outfitter. If you choose to go that route, you know what I mean? Buddy, it, the grass is always greener. You know what I mean? Let me tell you the behind the scene. This is hard work, hard, 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 hard work. And it isn't just the physical work of putting pits in the ground and camel and blinds and getting decoys and all that kind of stuff. And then you've got to go around. You've got to be with your customers too. You know, if you're a guide or the outfitter, either one, you got people you got to deal with myself. I go around every night to four different groups and check in with every one of them, have dinner with them, have conversation with them. You know, that's why it's 11 by the time I get home. By the time I get to the last group, it's nine. At, where are you guys at? Where are the Bronco bar having drinks? It's nine o'clock at night. I'm, I'm going to stop by the Bronco and bullshit with you a little bit. Tell you where you're going tomorrow, who your guide is, that kind of thing. By the time I get home, it's 11. And then I got to wake up in the morning, break ice, put ice eaters in, you know, those type of things. It's hard to, I'm not going to tell you what all of being an outfitter entails, but those of us who do it, I'm just going to let you know, it's hard, hard work, hard work. It is not all wine and roses, and it certainly isn't going hunting every day and collecting checks. No, it's not. <laughs> That's a long ways from that. And if you're going to be successful and get to, you know, where this has gotten to, you're going to have to put in the hard work and the time. It isn't going to happen overnight. You know, Instagram, Facebook, these things, people think they're instant successes these days. You're not. No. You're not. No. Okay? It's going to take time. And you're going to have to have that determination and work ethic and confidence to get there. And I don't know about the younger generation Yeah, either. I hope they understand I that. I hope they understand. I hope they understand you know, that, you know. We're going to see. Your ice eater is going to go down. You're going to need somebody. You're either going to have to have somebody that can help. I'm self-admittingly not that mechanically inclined so mm -hmm. i tell people all the time i have to work hard enough to be able to afford help yeah, and right. i and, and i <laughs> i stick stay in my lane and i do what i was good at and worked excessively hard at it right. to where i could afford people to help me with maintenance or if the ice eater went down i could have some help going out there and, and making sure that it was the fan or the motor or the gas or the inlet or whatever it was was it the choke whatever a boat motor goes down a utv goes down a flat tire there's so much so much so many things that happen that can go wrong yeah. in outfitting and hunting every day that, the, that you have to be, you have to understand that that's on you. If you're going to be the outfitter, if you're going to be the guy that day, you're going to be doing a lot of things that aren't just showing off and blowing your goose call. If you are, you know, legitimate on a duck or a goose call, which I hope you are and practice will, will tell, you know, practice is going to help you, but there's a lot that goes into it mm -hmm. a lot. And that's what I just always wonder, like, Man, you hear all these reports. Nobody wants to work anymore. Yeah. Nobody wants to work. I've heard outfitters tell me my, they don't even hunt on their days off. Yeah. Like the, most people that guide love it so much that they're going to go do it. They don't want to miss a day because they don't have the clients. They don't have the responsibility. They can go get them. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. It's an interesting study, I think, to, to see where the guides, you know, where, where, where guiding goes in the next decade. It is an interesting study. We'll, we'll see. I hope there's enough. I hope there's enough guys out there that um, do it right you know, and, and, and grow up with that work ethic and that, you know, that just wanted that just want to do it right. You and know? the ethics and the ethics legal uh, being legal. And again, respecting the wildlife is huge. Just like, God, don't, if you're not sure about that shot, don't take it. Would you be shooting at an elk at a hundred yards, but the trees are in your way a little bit. And would you, th and a, you got a trophy elk there. And would you think, well, maybe I can shoot through those trees and get, would you take a chance of wounding that elk? Right. No. Why are you taking that chance of wounding that shouldn't. goose? They shouldn't. shouldn't even take that shot. Never. You shouldn't take it. You wouldn't take it. If you were elk hunting, you were deer hunting. Most guys would pass on that shot, but for some reason, goose hunt. Well, let's give it a try. Oh, I hate give it a try because they you got know? all them BBs in there. They got three and a half inch magnums. Yeah. And they I got mean, a Benelli super black. Eagle. I shoot the best shotguns in the world. The best ammo in the world in black cloud shoot a high vis sight. And Rob Roberts perfects every gun I shoot. I still don't try any of that shit. 
Yeah. I never look at a bird at 80 and go, oh, I, I can't. Yeah. Really? Yeah. First of all, you're in a pit and you're sitting down. So your depth perception's messed up when you're looking up in that blue right. sky. Mm-hmm. They're higher than you think. Yep. They're not cupped up. They're not committed. You didn't fool them. You didn't call them in. You yeah. didn't study their body posture, their bio- biological means of what their head's doing and what their feet are doing and what that's telling you. You're not, you don't deserve to kill that goose. Mm-hmm. Now people are going to be like, who are you to tell me? I'm telling you, you don't deserve to kill that goose mm-hmm. if you didn't trick him and put him at 10 feet. Yeah. Now that's an exaggeration. Shoot him at 35 yards and the decoys back flapping. They might be out there a little bit on your, know where your, 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 your far edge of your decoys is. Yeah. Get a, get a, a range finder and, and, and make sure that you know that, okay, guys, if they're outside of that, we're not shooting at them. That's 35 yeah. yards. That's as far as we're going to shoot today. Yep. Know what your gun can do. Your choke tube, your shooting system, your ammo, your sights. Put that gun on paper. Go to a patterning board. Go put it on paper and see what you can do in a 30-inch circle from 20 yards, 25 yards, 30 yards, 35 yards, and see how many pellets are on pattern at that. Don't have an excuse. And then understand the theory and the art of shotgunning and muzzle movement and shot picture and and sight picture and and shot stream and and how you spread your pattern out Mm -hmm. by keeping the barrel and the muzzle moving. There's a lot that goes into it. Yeah. So I hope that people understand that we're not trying to preach. We're just simply saying today we called right. We decoyed right. We, we got there early. We set up right. We did not just go, Hey, this looks good. No, we were like, Oh, all right, well, let's do this. Let's do, let's, we're, let's emulate this. Mm-hmm. And bam, here we go. They're dying. Every, every bird except one that Axel brought back today mm-hmm. is dead. Yeah. And I'm talking dead. Yeah. And that's, that's because they're at 15 feet. Yeah. They yeah. don't feel it. No, they don't feel it. It's over. It's over. Over. And that's what I think we owe to the birds. I'm not saying don't hunt an arrow through an elk. Do it right. Do it right. You don't need to shoot an elk at 90 yards. I don't think that you need to do this long range shooting with a 270 or 300. I'm not a fan of that either. 1100 yards on an elk. I mean, that's not, you're not hunting. No, no. But again, I'm not a fan of it, but if it's legal, then I guess we have to put up with it, but keep the compassion for the animal in there. And also when it comes to predator management, understand we do need predator management skunks raccoons red foxes i mean i can go on and on with what birds you just eat the nests and the eggs Mm -hmm. then he started talking about coyotes and mountain lions and bobcats and bears and predator management's important but don't hate on a coyote if i hear somebody say f a coyote i get so upset i get so i'm like what do you mean we built into their country they lived here way before us yeah they're one of the best hunters in the world they need to eat three and a half pounds of meat a day in the winter time to survive they got to go find that and kill it if you're dumb enough to leave your cat out or your six-month-old puppy, then it's not their fault. It's not their fault. They can dig under fences. They can climb. They can, they'll do what it takes. So don't go and show a coyote and a snare trap on your social media because you think it's cool. It's not cool. It's not cool. He's suffering in there. Go yeah. dispatch him and take him to the fur trade and, and do your thing. I'm not against any of that. I believe in trapping. I believe in snare. I believe in it all. But don't disrespect the animal. Right. Look how easy we do. Today, I would just plop those geese over like that. I, I'm so hesitant to just pick one up and I don't even want to toss a dead goose. Yeah. I want to show them respect even after they're dead. Yeah. But a lot of times you see these truck fulls of snow geese and they're just pitching them out like cordwood. And you're like, man, that goose went through hell. And maybe it's a different point in my hunting career. Maybe. I just have so much emotional attachment and connection with the birds that I don't like. Like when they land, I almost tell people hey, when they get up, if you want to get them, but I'm not. I'm not, I'm going to trick another one. And if, if I land those four yeah. and I don't do what I envision myself doing. Okay. Or JJ and I don't, I don't say, okay, guys, when these next three come in, shoot all four of them on the round. I'm just not that guy. Yeah. I'm like, if I didn't trick them, if I didn't trick the ones in the air to get them, those birds, they can leave if they want, you can shoot them as clients. If they get up and you want to kill them, shoot, have at it, kill them. Yeah. Don't shoot them on the ground. Don't sluice them unless it's a cripple. Mm-hmm. And I just, I hope that people understand that you can get another flock in, be patient. You can do it. You don't need to educate another flock. If you don't get that, if you get, if you don't get those four to finish on top of four that just landed, just wait a minute, get the next ones to come in and kill those four dead. If you get 20 to commit and there's four shooters, let them walk, let them get in the decoys and then walk them out. Like we did today. Yeah. It's just, it's proof in the pudding being at wild Braska that management refuge resting spots. It works. Listen, let me point something out on that too. Because I don't know if people realize this, birds imprint, and it's it's the same birds come back. We've all shot a duck or a goose or a snow goose that was. I mean, we got a Canada goose here one year that was 19 years old, banded, 19 year old goose. Now, do you know how many times that goose has been here? 
19 years. Do yeah. you don't think that that goose knows where the safe spots in the county are? He's been here. For, he's leading his whole family. Let's go over here to the university refuge ground over here. Nobody can touch us. Nobody they can touch us. They imprint. If I, on my properties, stick with a four-bird limit, only hunt them once in a while by rotating pits, in the last 20 years, 25 years that I've been doing that, those birds imprint on my property that they don't get harassed there. And every year they will come down and the parents who were here last year will lead the kids to my field. If I don't bust them out of there, harass them and all that thing. Management, they imprint. And if you do that to your property, my belief is that 20 years later, you still have good hunting or better hunting because the birds have imprinted on your property as a safe spot. Great point. Does that make sense? 100%. Yeah. And it's proof here. I mean, proof. if anybody wants to, to to question this or test it, book a hunt at Wyobraska. Wyobraskawaterfowl.com. J.J. Randolph, his father, Michael. Your mom's amazing. Yeah. Everybody around here is awesome. Natalie, fowl. Now, fowl habits is something that we saw last year. They're in a little bitty garage in a subdivision. This year, we go to their new property, and they've expanded like crazy. Yeah. Yeah. They do a ton of birds for Wyobraska. They a offer ton. great jerky. Slab jerky, candied jerky, pepperoni sticks now, two different flavors of pepperoni, 100% goose, no filler, 100% duck, no pork filler. No. The way that Natalie cleans the birds, you talk about passion. You talk about arthritis. Gosh, I hope her hands hold up. <laughs> I hope they do. I went in there the day, the, uh, yesterday or the day before, and there was two beautifully plucked Canada yeah, geese. Yeah, those were gorgeous. Big ones. I'm yeah. like, God, those are gorgeous. Yeah. So anyway you're helping them build that business this area is awesome the bitches bar the corner bar in lingle the whole town of torrington wyobraska is awesome man i appreciate you having us up here appreciate you coming chad thank we're, you we're coming back yeah i hope we can thank you jj thank you you man appreciate you guys it. been listening to the Fally podcast coming at you from wyobraska outfitters it's almost new year's eve be safe be responsible i hope you all had a good christmas thank you for supporting all of our podcasts here this life ain't for everybody where the pavement ends Anna V's American wing shooting 40 years to freedom. And of course the foul life right here, brand new episodes of Benelli's the foul life airing right now. You can see wild brass in action from our hunts last year on the outdoor channel, as well as the my outdoor TV app, Mo TV. And thank you so much for the support of the provider and jargon, our other sister brands. In the meantime, listen to this song. This is 2 a.m. Logic. The song is called my foul life. My foul life is in full swing Tell me what tomorrow may bring Solidic fire covered in the sky Bye.